1: Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. We got an action-packed Monday for you. If you're taking a break from the March Madness action, we appreciate you because the March Madness is here in the NFL Draft, like Nick said last week. You know, I'm sure a lot of your brackets are already busted. I predicted Texas to win uh, last Friday's episode and look at what happened there. So definitely a lot that has happened in terms of chaos. And, you know, if you if you just are hurt by the entire bracket side of March Madness and come to us. We'll comfort you with some new hopefuls for the NFL draft. But first and foremost, let's bring in Nick Durst. Nick, how are you doing?
2: Do well, Michael. Uh, We we heard today, a few hours ago, that the NFL draft will be taking place in Cleveland. So no more virtual. I'm going to be in person for at least the first round. There'll be some prospects there. Be interested to see how that goes. The last in-person draft, of course, was in uh, Nashville and it was packed. And the plan is for the 2022 draft to be in Las Vegas, which was the originally scheduled 2020 draft. What's your favorite part about watching the draft on TV? And you know, what what do you what are you watching? Do you watch ABC, ESPN,
1: or the NFL Network, or do you watch Bleacher Report? I tend to go with wherever's really getting me the picks fastest. So, you know, if if that's ESPN, then I'm willing to watch ESPN. If that's NFL Network, uh, I used to do that. I guess I recently haven't been able to get NFL Network just because of the TV subscriptions. You know, we lowered our, our channel totals, so we're paying less. So mostly been second to ESPN. ABC was an option as well, but my most favorite thing about it is just all the chaos that happens. You know, when we get past those first three picks that kind of go c- consensus and we start to see those shockers on the board, you know, the the Denzel Ward going at four, the Cleveland Farrell going at number four, the QBs that are supposed to go top five falling to, you know, pick 11, maybe even pick 26. It's, it's always super fun to see and really just kind of starts your predictions for the next season and allows you to really start to realize – what this roster is going to look like when we enter that next year so what what do you personally like better to watch the draft or the super bowl uh you know as a patriots fan i patriots in the super bowl is number one but if it's not the patriots in the super bowl it's it's real close i gotta admit now you locked in for all seven rounds you'll watch every pick Absolutely. I, I hate that on TV broadcasts, they start to do this thing where they don't talk about the picks. Just, yeah. They, they just start understand. talking about the past draft and, you know, they'll go back and talk about like the first round QB. Yeah. That was it's definitely for... tough
2: to watch like rounds late like, round four through seven, because it's just like the picks are caught up on the screen. They're not even talking about it.
1: Yeah. So if I have something going on, maybe I, I won't cancel out on plans. I'll just be looking at my phone the entire time, but For the most part, I stay at the TV. I'm watching it, and even if they're talking about something else, I just love to see the the new names coming across the bottom. Should be good. Rick,
2: he says, let's go, and he loved the virtual draft. It was much more enjoyable for me,
1: the Home Bureau. What did you think about the virtual draft? I thought it was handled really well. I think there's something special about seeing those guys go on stage holding a team jersey for the first time, but definitely with – The circumstances that were given, they did a really good job with the virtual draft.
2: Yeah, we'll see what happens. And then Rick wants everybody to join the NFL draft discord for rounds four to seven. Shoot the breeze with your team's fans. Maybe maybe Michael will go live for rounds four through seven that Saturday, (laughs) right here on Destination Draft and Landry Football Network. How would you feel about that, Michael? You're breaking down the picks for seven hours on a
1: Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility, but I probably don't want to tie myself up to it yet. <laughs> All right. We shall, we shall see. So that was interesting to note here.
2: Um, <clears throat> I saw Devontae Adam. Uh, Devontae Smith said he's not going to do any drills at Amnesty Dallas Pro Day. He said it's 2020 Heisman season spoke for itself. Uh, and then we saw uh, that Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, the quarterback, predict a first-round pick, right, Michael? He's going to have some sort of a back surgery. Um, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who was of course, Terrell Owens agent says he'll be ready to go uh, for the beginning of training camp. But you know, injury at this stage of the game, Michael, how does that
1: play out for most prospects? You know, injuries like this are, kind of big question marks, especially for, you know, us as fans in the media, we don't really get any insider info unless we start getting sources and leaks about it, but really it's all going to come down to team medicals. There's going to be teams that will probably look at this and maybe they take him off the board entirely and say, we're not risking that. And there's going to be teams that say, well, you know, we agree. We think he'll be ready by training camp. We don't think it's going to have any influence on his long-term health. And we think he's going to be able to be a star corner for us. So it's really a, a toss in the air, and it's hard to really judge because we don't have info on the inside right now. So as far as we know, hopefully what Drew Rosenhaus is saying is correct because he's, he's definitely a talented corner, and you know you never want to see anyone have their career derailed by injuries. Yeah,
2: definitely not. Uh, other news, uh, I remember like a few years ago there was a uh, cornerback who was suspended – from the NFL, from the Cardinals for betting on NFL games. But I guess now that sports betting is pretty legal, they don't care as much, he's reinstated. So we'll see if Josh Shaw gets signed by anybody. Probably not. Kyle Fuller, released by the Bears. Uh, we'll see who, who picks him up. Pretty talented. Oh, he got
1: signed like 30 oh. minutes later. He's a Bronco now. He's a Bronco, okay. He's, uh, he's and Kenny Galladay NGA signed there. with the Giants.
2: So... I think that's a huge waste of money. The guy's getting paid the same amount of money as Odell Beckham Jr. And there's no way you could tell me, Michael, that Galday is as good as Odell Beckham Jr. Right. You can't tell me exactly. So we'll see it's how that works out. And a sign of the times. And, uh, and then they, now the big rumor is that Dory Jackson will be potentially a giant, Logan Ryan's recruiting him.
1: Yeah, and I think that's definitely a smart move for the Giants. They need that second corner next to Bradbury. If they can bring in an Adoree Jackson, it allows them to really open up their options in the NFL draft, and maybe they help out Daniel Jones even more, adding some talent to that offensive line. Certainly. Uh,
2: and then we see Philip Lindsay starting with the Texans, who also have Mark Ingram. Total mess there, but Lindsay's pretty good. Uh, probably got a lot of carries. Yeah. Uh, Chris Carson, we talked about him last week. He's he resigned with the Seahawks, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, Anthony Harris, who was a Vikings free agent, he went to the Eagles. Uh, so, you know, people are moving here, things are moving around here. And uh, Desmond Trufant, he's he's with the Bears now to replace Kyle Fuller. Uh, should be interesting. Basically, free agency is done here, but they're still. There's still a lot more stuff that could happen in the coming weeks, but I think now it's time to let Rockman rock and he's going to rock out here with what he does
1: best, some mock drafts. Absolutely. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that really kind of took some big hits in the free agency cycle, losing some very talented players. They were able to bring back Juju Smith-Schuster only on a one-year deal, so they may be looking long-term at wide receiver, but – Immediate needs are going to be addressed first and foremost. Let's look at it in the first round. I have him going Landon Dickerson center out of Alabama. And I know that with the injury history, there's definitely question marks surrounding Dickerson, but in terms of interior offensive lineman, he is my center. Number one. I like him more than Creed Humphrey. I like him more than Josh Myers. And I think without the injury history, he would be a lock for the first round. Now, You have to couple in those medicals. If the Steelers give him a pass, I think they're getting a stud on the interior offensive line. And you look at needs in terms of just what is going to be hurting for this offensive line and for the Steelers team. And center is the big spot. Lost Pouncey due to retirement. Big Ben isn't the most mobile QB. You need someone that's going to be able to protect them. Dickerson is going to be there not only for Big Ben, but also just for the future of whoever is lining up a QB in Pittsburgh. After this year, in the second round, I have him going. Spencer Brown, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa, continue to invest in this offensive line after losing some other talented pieces. Villanueva still on the market. I think you get a guy like Spencer Brown and, you know, even if Banner and Okafora are the tackles for this team, you still have to keep in Spencer Brown and look at an option that could be a long-term starter. I'm not sure if Banner is that guy. So getting a guy like Brown, I think, would be an absolutely huge addition. In the third round, you look at Trey Sermon, running back for Ohio State, one that is very physical, one that is productive, and one that I think is better athlete than both Benny Snell and James Conner. So if you get a guy that kind of fits that mold, you know, the aggressive runner, north and south type guy, that can really be physical and really plow forward through the offensive line. That sort of mantra of the Steelers dynasty in terms of how they've ran the ball in their past. Trey Sermon is an excellent fit. A lot of people have talked about Najee Harris in the first round. And I don't hate the pick in terms of talent, but I think in terms of need, they have bigger issues than to get a running back in the first round. They don't have that luxury right now. And that is why I have them waiting until the third to draft Sermon. In the fourth round, Kiaris Tonga, whether or not you look at this defensive line, you think nose tackle is solved right now, I think long-term it is still very much a need. Getting Tonga in there, hopefully having him as a rotational piece that may be able to step in and become the starter long-term would be absolutely huge for this team, and I think it would be absolutely huge for Tonga because that is an excellent fit, especially working in between Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt. With the next 4th round pick, I haven't taken Josh Amaterbebe. You look at what he can do as an athlete and what the Steelers can do in terms of developing receivers and it's a perfect fit. I think in terms of what he did at Illinois, he was phenomenal and the offense just wasn't up to standards. Brandon Peters is a fine college QB, but there were too many times where he was missing on throws and really it costs Bebe probably money in this draft because even though he's a phenomenal athlete, I think there's a lot of polish on tape, too. He can run pretty well. He gets separation, and he has great size. Put him in a place like Pittsburgh, where they take athletes and turn them into stud receivers, and Josh Amaterbebe may be one of the biggest steals in this class. In the sixth round, I look at Grant Stewart, linebacker out of Houston. While this guy isn't prob- probably isn't going to be this all-star, superstar linebacker, I think he's definitely going to contribute as a run-stuffer. I think he's going to be a special team specialist. And he's going to add great depth to this linebacker unit that probably needs some help. Adding in Stewart with a unit that has Bush and Vince Williams right now as the starters, I think gets you that third linebacker, maybe fourth if if necessary. And then you have to really see what he does in terms of growth. I think this is someone that from the same school, Landon Roberts, is someone that he could really look up to being. And I think that'd be a nice third piece in any linebacker unit across the NFL. In the seventh round, I have him going Marco Wilson, cornerback out of Florida, and offensive guard Jared Hawker out of Texas A&M. Most likely these guys aren't going to start, but you look at what they bring to the table, and there's enough to really be enticed by them. Marco Wilson obviously is notoriously known for his shoe toss in the LSU game that really cost them that game, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have some talent. There's still a lot there to work with. And, you know, taking these guys in that seventh round and seeing what you can do with them, I think is absolutely worth it. Hawker, I think, is a good depth offensive lineman piece and potentially could step in and be a starter if anyone were to go down or need replaced. Nick, in terms of Steelers and their outlook going forward, what do you think of this draft in terms of just addressing needs? Well, first of all, I mean, what are the chances that in his first game
2: uh, or if he reports to the camp or something, there's going to be a cleat hanging in his locker. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> going to be some rookie hazing right there. Uh, the Steelers, I, I think they could – they obviously need a center with Pouncey gone. Uh, yeah, I'm not really as high on Dickerson as you are, but, uh, you know, it's slim pickings for the, for the centers each year. Usually not that many. Uh, they need a run stopper, so I think Tonga could definitely come in and contribute right away. Um, at least being their rotation on the defensive line, uh, big guy, and uh, you, you know he plugs he plugs the middle there, and he can get to the quarterback a little bit too. He think he had like seven or eight career sacks and four year player with with BYU. He, he started since uh, he was a freshman, uh, so you, you know he's durable. He, he's played he plays all the games, and he he does he does what he
1: need to do out there in the middle of the field. Absolutely. And, you know, just looking at it from a perspective of Steelers outlook, we don't have graphics anymore because these mock-off seasons have come to a close. So we're going to talk about, you know, what we expect for the Steelers next year. They definitely have suffered some losses. They've had some guys that are now no longer with the team and they've taken some, you know, regression in terms of how they started last year in terms of how they finished. But For your expectations for the Steelers, what would you predict for their finishing? And do you think that the potential improvement of the AFC North is going to kind of put a sour on the Steelers' season? I think they'll be a wild card team. Uh, I think this might be the year
2: where the Browns win the division. Uh, Ravens are are right there still. Uh, I'm not going to read too, too much into the way the season ended last year for the Steelers. I, I think they still have the talent there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, he was not playing hard at the end of last year. He probably thought, oh, I'm going to get paid no matter what. Now he only, he's only getting paid one year, $8 million. So he's going to try hopefully be more motivated for Big Ben here and have a big season. And this could potentially be the last season for Ben Roethlisberger. So we'll see what happens here. Another year of Chase, Chase Claypool is is good for the Steelers offense. and defensively they those have to you know hunker down and get things together here and hopefully there could be some consistent offense from mike tomlin steelers but i definitely see them uh, as a wild card team at,
1: at worst here for next season see surprisingly i'm sold on the steelers just missing playoffs i think that they've just taken too many hits the roster already fell off and i i understand you know maybe it's just a motivation issue and they could easily bounce back i think in terms of competitiveness, though, there were too many games where they came out flat. Even when they were winning, they just had games where they weren't matching up with what a undefeated team really should be. So in this next year where I expect the AFC North to improve, I expect the schedule to be a little bit harder in terms of what they draw. I I don't know. I don't trust the Steelers to be good next year. And I think with all the losses they take, the defense should be good, but I don't trust the offense to be very efficient. And in turn, you know, maybe the defense loses some momentum as the season goes along with no offensive support
2: well say see. Well,
1: say i, I do. so while we're talking the well
2: i was going to say who do you think going to win the division but we can get to that a little later on
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know a team that's definitely going to be competing with the Steelers is the Cleveland Browns another team that made playoffs last year we'll bring up their mock draft now in the first round, I have him going Greg Newsome, cornerback out of Northwestern after a phenomenal pro day. I think he has pretty much locked himself into being an early second round pick at the latest with that first round pick for the Cleveland Browns. I think they can address corner and get a stud having Newsom, Ward, Troy Hill, and greedy Williams as a cornerback unit would be absolutely phenomenal for the Cleveland Browns after last year, where they struggled with injuries, where they struggled with having, you know, guys that they could depend on this time. Now, they get studs in the secondary, and I think it'll be a phenomenal cornerback unit, especially with the safety help that's added in with Grant Delpick back from injury and John Johnson signing in free agency. Plus, you can't dismiss Ronnie Harrison either. Just an absolutely improved secondary if they get someone in this draft. With their second round pick, I have them going Patrick Jones, the second out of Pittsburgh. I think you need someone opposite Miles Garrett. They could look for someone in free agency, but I think getting someone like Patrick Jones, the second in this draft would be absolutely huge. He's a great run stuffer. You can kind of use him in containment scenarios where you let Miles Garrett really rush the passer fully. And with that, I think you have improved this defense entirely. Yes, the linebacker unit still has his holes, but I think you're seeing some really stud pieces in this draft that will allow the defense to really take that next step. In the third round, I have him going Nick Bolton, linebacker out of Missouri. I think what the biggest issue with Bolton is, is that he's not the greatest athlete, but he does have nice closing speed. He's a great run stuffer and a great tackler. I think, you know, looking at guys like B.J. Goodson, they kind of have that similar type of makeup. So you get a guy like Nick Bolton who's going to be a cheap third-round deal, and you have a productive, probably dependable starter. Yes, you need some athletes, but I think with the secondary, with guys like Ronnie Harrison able to drop down and help out, you are able to sacrifice a little bit of athleticism for football IQ – and really just run stuffing ability. With that next third-round pick, getting Bobby Brown, the third, one of my favorites in this class, defensive lineman out of Texas A&M, probably best suited to play nose tackle. I think he's athletic enough to play three-tech if needed. In that 4-3 defense, working, you know, whether it's next to Sheldon Richardson or some of the other defensive linemen that they have, I think this would be an absolutely perfect pick. Get a guy that can stuff the run, rush the pass, Be an interior menace, and that is what Bobby Brown is. For the Browns, they need some defensive help. That's why I had them go four straight picks of defensive players. With the fourth round, I have him going Trey Hill. He's a center out of Georgia, but I think he's best suited to play guard. You look at what Wyatt Teller is for the Browns, and he's a phenomenal lineman, but can you pay him? I'm not sure. I think the Browns are going to have some cap issues, but they have to start looking for potential replacements in the future. Getting a guy like Trey Hill to potentially be that right guard and replace Wyatt Teller after he leaves in free agency would be an absolutely huge signing. And I think it could be great for the Browns to keep some of this roster cheap and really allow for themselves to build a phenomenal roster while not sacrificing, you know, giving up a lot of money and a lot of picks for it in that next fourth round. We're kind of keeping that same message. You know, the Browns have some wide receiver decisions to make in the future. Rashad Higgins, Jarvis Landry, even Odell Beckham Jr. They need to add some talent to the room because most likely one of those pieces are going to be gone potentially more. So getting a guy like Cornell Powell, who I think would be a phenomenal third wide receiver in on this team would probably step in as a fourth or fifth wide receiver on day one. I think he can provide depth, provide reliable hands, the ability to win deep, the ability to win in short to intermediate routes. I think he's one of the most well-rounded wide receivers in this class and adding him, to this offense to potentially become a contributor down the line, I think would be absolutely a phenomenal pick for the Browns in the fifth round, Jonathan Cooper, edge rusher out of Ohio state. Again, you know, Patrick Jones will most likely be that guy for them. And I really love Jones, but adding another piece to where you can rotate, keep everyone fresh and getting a guy with as much upside as Cooper makes this a win in both situations. You get to address the need, You get upside in the fifth round on a day three pick. And really, what you can do with this defense, adding a guy like Cooper, getting three dependable defensive ends, if all three really work out, then that's absolutely huge for the Browns and absolutely huge for this defense in terms of energy and in terms of efficiency. In the sixth round, I look at William Sherman. I think Chris Hubbard is gone after this year. So you look for a swing tackle. And I think Sherman has that ability. He's athletic. And in my opinion, he's very underrated. He's one of my favorite sleeper tackles in this class. And for the University of Colorado, he was an absolute stud. If the Browns can look at a tackle late and hit for someone to be that depth swing tackle, that's absolutely huge. So they don't have to spend money at the position. And in the seventh round, I have him going Joshua Bloodsoe, a safety out of Missouri. Played free safety, but most likely suited to play strong safety in the NFL. Maybe, you know, after this Johnson pick, they keep him at that free safety spot, especially with guys like Sheldrick Redwine also playing free safety. But I think this is more of a depth potential special teams option that may stick around on the practice squad for a bit, and then they see what they can make out of him. Nick, in terms so, of outlook for the Browns, you know, addressing the defensive side is obviously huge, but what do you think of this draft particularly, and what do you think of the Browns' outlook after a draft like this? So I'm,
2: I'm guessing they're not going to bring back Olivier Vernon, which... He's a little bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, guy had like nine nine sacks last year. I haven't heard anything about him signing it anywhere um, at all. So maybe he's going to retire. Have you heard anything on Olivier Vernon?
1: Uh, I haven't heard much. I know that there were some issues in terms of just like maybe not production, but just overall like efficiency that mm-hmm. have kind of made question marks about whether he'll be back or not. But, yeah, I haven't heard much in terms of what he's planning to do.
2: Yeah, so I mean, solid draft here. Uh, you know, getting an edge rusher, a linebacker, and a defensive lineman in the second and third rounds to really bolster that that front seven uh, is big time. Because uh, you know, the Browns the sometimes last year had some issues getting to the quarterback outside of Vernon and Garrett. Uh, so you no, know, they're they're not that far off here. You know, Stefanski did a great job last year offensively, they are, very talented. Uh, you know, they have the great running attack and you, know, you mentioned Landry and Dale Beckham Jr. So I'm expecting uh,
1: another good season for the Cleveland Browns here. Absolutely. And, you know, in terms of needs for this team and what they bring to the table, what do you think of the Browns for, you know, heading into the season, if they were to have a draft like that or whatever they do in the draft, what are your expectations for them? And do you think that it's win the division or it's a disappointment of a season for them? Yeah, I think they definitely <laughs> they win the division, but I think if
2: they aren't in the AFC Championship game this year, that I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed. So that's not an easy, easy task. But if you win the division, you're much closer to doing that than not than you know than anything else. Because you look at the a- the AFC East. The Bills, I think, are still the top team, but going to chalk up a few more wins there for the Patriots. So if the the Browns could separate themselves from the, the the Ravens and the Steelers, I think they have, and they could you know get up there at twelve, thirteen wins, they could be you know that top seeded team in the the opening weekend, and that'll that'll help them big time uh, moving forward here, and they they could avoid. Uh, playing the the chiefs in the, in the, you know, before the conference championship. So uh, you know they, the Browns last year, I you know, they put up a heck of a fight, but just came a little short. Uh, they, they're going to be a dangerous team again next year.
1: And one of the big things that's starting to be talked about is the looming extension for Baker Mayfield. Some people have come forward and said, you know, I don't think the Browns should pay them. I think there's kind of this, running offense that works but mayfield's just kind of sitting in that role do you buy into that at all or do you think they need to pay mayfield and keep them there in cleveland listen i don't think mayfield should be getting like this crazy
2: money like dak prescott who also think it should be getting that crazy money but that's just the way it's going these days uh is it gonna hurt this team to have so much money in baker mayfield absolutely but you know what's the alternative? <laughs> that's that's what you got to ask yourself. And they waited so long just to be a competitive team and get in the playoffs, which is what Baker Mayfield has done for them. You have to reward the guy. Uh, this fan base has been tortured, and if they let Mayfield go and then they're just bringing in Cam Newton or something,
1: uh, people will not be happy. Absolutely, and another team that is going to have to look into extending their QB, the Baltimore Ravens, another possible. Issue for them is the looming Orlando Brown situation. Wants to play left tackle. Would be right tackle if he came back. Here's the trade that we have. Baltimore sends Orlando Brown, their first and second, pick 27 and 58, to the Los Angeles Chargers for their 13th and 47th pick. So what this is is a pick swap in the first, a pick swap in a second, and allows them to move up. And in turn, they give Orlando Brown to the Chargers, who desperately need a left tackle to help protect just Herbert. So what the Ravens do from there, in the first round, at pick 13. I haven't gone Devonta Smith. After looking at it from a free agency perspective, I think this wide receiver board is starting to move around. Maybe they go Jamar Chase if he's there, and I think that's one of the best fits in living here at 13. Add him in. I think, yes, the big question mark is, are you really going to have a wide receiver core of Hollywood Brown and Devonta Smith? That might be you know 200 pounds combined (laughs) between both of them. But Devonta Smith is an absolute monster on film. Adding him in to get a wide receiver who has polish, who can get open, and who can make plays for Lamar Jackson would be absolutely huge. And trading up while you lose Orlando Brown, would be a great move for the Ravens to add a wide receiver weapon in this class. In the second round, I have him getting Tevin Jenkins, and there is the Orlando Brown replacement, a phenomenal run stuffer, or run blocker, sorry, and really just a mover. We saw him go against Joseph Osai in the middle of the season, and really they went at it all game. Knife sharpens knife, sword sharpens sword, whatever you want to call it these are two phenomenal prospects that went at it all game. And Tevin Jenkins really proved that he is worth the hype in the second round, you know, mid to early second. I think this is a perfect pick to step in on this offensive line and keep Lamar protected in the third round. I have him going Kelvin Joseph corner out of Kentucky. I think this is someone that's gotten a little bit of hype from the media. That's been, you know, rising up on the mock draft boards, but I don't expect it to be the same on draft day. I think he's going to be a, you know, maybe late second to late third type guy. And with the Ravens, you know, the cornerback unit has been the recipe for success. They've had not only Marcus Peters, but Marlon Humphrey, not only Marlon Humphrey, but Jimmy Smith and, you know, many others in that mix. But after time, you know, you're going to have to make sacrifices and getting a guy like Kelvin Joseph to step in for, you know, maybe Jimmy Smith, who's nearing the end of his career would be absolutely huge for the Ravens and would add some talent to this unit that can continue that success and allow them to continue to thrive with a dominant secondary. In the fourth round, I have him going Victor Demukeje. You look at what the Ravens do with their edge rushers and they are great at developing. They are great at having versatile options. And I think that's what Demukeje does. He kind of reminds me of Anne Fernie Jennings last year, the solid compact frame, but I think there's athleticism and agility to drop back into coverage. And I think that's what the Ravens would be able to do with him. And with his youth, he's one of the youngest prospects in this class. I think he would be able to be a stud in time with the Ravens and be developed into a proper starter. Probably starts right away, if not in that year two situation, because of the Ravens' loss of Matthew Judon. But a guy like Dumu KJ in fourth round, I think would be a great pick. With the next fourth round pick, Ryan McCollum center out of Texas A&M, you look at what the Ravens have really gone through in terms of interior offensive line over the years, and there's just been issues nonstop of, you know, missed snaps, allowed pressure, broken pockets. And while Lamar Jackson has the athleticism to scramble around and make do with some bad offensive line play on the inside, that doesn't mean you just want it to continue to happen. Get a guy like McCollum in the fourth round. Potentially, he could come in and step in as a starter, and I think you're getting a much more dependable center in place. And you're also getting a very good run blocker. I think he's proven himself to be a dependable blocker at the college level, and at the NFL level, I think that would continue. In the sixth round, I have him double-dipping at the defensive line spot. Two guys that played nose tackle in college, but one is definitely not meant to be, and that's why I am kind of high on him. Naquan Jones is the nose tackle for Michigan State. This guy actually fits the mold of a nose tackle. You know, he's 340, absolute beast, and really can step in that nose tackle that the Ravens will hopefully find a replacement for Brandon Williams, who's nearing the end of his career, but they need someone to really step in because when he's gone, it shows for the Ravens' defense. And then Carlo Kemp is someone that plays nose tackle – For Michigan, but he's like 290 pounds. He should not be playing nose tackle at all, but he holds up. And, you know, that speaks volumes to me when you're playing out of position and still looking like a talented player. A lot of people don't get credit enough for that, but Carlo Kemp gets all the credit in the world to me. You know, if you put him at five tech, three tech, I think he's going to really pop off. So look for Carlo Kemp to be someone that goes in that third day, maybe even UDFA. I'm not sure, but really finds himself a home around the NFL and really makes a name for himself after some time. Nick, in terms of this draft and in terms of what the Ravens' needs are and what the big question marks are for this next season, what do you think of it? And what do you think of you know the potential Devonta Smith option being added to the Ravens' wide receiver room? Well,
2: it seems Devonta Smith just keeps falling and falling in, in these mock drafts. So people had him going top ten, then twelve, and now he's falling down here. Uh, you know, people. people you know, it seems like everyone's got him as the wide, the third wide receiver at this point. And what do you, where do you have him as your, as your wide receiver rankings?
1: Yeah, he's my wide receiver three. Uh, absolutely love him though. I'm, I'm really high on all three wide receivers, but it just the biggest issue is just trying to find a landing spot in this draft where they can go for a wide receiver right now, because there's usually the teams that need wide receiver most seem to have much bigger needs that they should address early. Right.
2: Where do you have Kyle Pitts going? Because I think he'd be a really strong fit here in a Lamar Jackson offense. I'm assuming you have him in
1: the top 10. Yeah. I, I think the most rumored landing spot seems to be Atlanta and Philadelphia. I'm not sure that I see Atlanta picking them, but I could see Philadelphia kind of going with, Kyle Pitts, you know, creating that Goddard Pitts two tight end look mm-hmm. and really trying to flourish with that. By
2: the way, Kyle Pitts ran a four-four-six today in his 40-yard dash. You read too much into those 40-yard dash times, Michael, or are you all about them?
1: Uh, you know, I don't read too much into them. You know, it it's good to have a solid 40, and if you have a terrible 40, I'll read into it. But if you're just kind of, you know, slow on tape or stiff on tape, but you're able to run fast, it's not gonna tell me a lot. So you gotta be able to, you know, put together a good 40, but also have good film to couple with it if you want me to really buy into it as much.
2: Certainly. And the Ravens, I think a big need for them. As long as they're gonna have Lamar Jackson as their quarterback each to the offensive line. Uh, you saw him get injured last year, um, really more so the COVID, but then you know, Robert Griffin comes in, he gets hurt right away. So they addressed that with Kevin Zeitler, big signing, probably one of the best linemen that was a free agent here. And, you know, when you have that type of quarterback, it's never bad to go with the offensive lineman in the draft.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we look at what the Ravens bring to the table for this year, and I think there's a lot to be excited about. You know, Lamar Jackson gets another year of development. You look at the running back room, J.K. Dobbins, put together an excellent end of the season. And if you're anyone who's into fantasy, I think he's someone that you should definitely look for in your drafts or, you know, potentially trades if you're in some dynasty or keeper league. But the big issue has been wide receiver for this team. And, yeah, you can fault Lamar for maybe not being as efficient as a passer as he could have been. But there's still a huge, you know, holding back uh, a huge thing to overcome when you don't have wide receivers that can separate Hollywood Brown is one of the fastest wide receivers in the league, but he couldn't find a way to separate, you know, and there's just miles Boykin is like your wide receiver too. And he's big and fast, but he can't separate. And then Devin Duvernay looks solid as a rookie, but you know, you still need that developed play. And last year they just weren't good at the wide receiver room and it holds back a QB. And for Lamar Jackson, when you're young, You need weapons to be able to fall back on because that's huge for development and huge for confidence. So, getting him a weapon is absolutely a necessity. And it seems the Ravens know that they've been looking into the veteran free agent market at wide receiver, you know, pursuing a guy like Juju, pursuing other options as well. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, even with an Orlando Brown trade where maybe they get up to 13, they try to move up again to try to get a guy like Jamar Chase. Because I think, in terms of draft fit, you know, Jamar Chase to the Ravens would be one of the most beautiful things in all of the NFL.
2: I think the Ravens end up with Golden Tate, sign him and uh,
1: he makes a big plays for the Ravens. I think he could definitely contribute to the room, that's for sure. And you know, let's talk about this NFC North though. Our AFC North, sorry. You know, we got we talked about the Steelers, the Browns and the Ravens today. Sadly, we've already done the Bengals a while back. But there's a lot to, you know, really be entertained about with this entire division. Joe Burrow in year two potentially makes that next step and could potentially take that Bengals team to the next level. The Steelers obviously started out the season as one of the best teams in the NFL, fell off a bit, but they're still an elite defense and there's a lot to love. The Ravens have been consistently dominant and hanging around in the NFL for a long time. They very much are still in play to win the AFC North and the Browns had that huge breakout season last year where they finally made playoffs. They could continue growing under Stefanski with one of the best running back rooms in the NFL. Baker Mayfield, obviously, another year of development and really just an improved defense. Could make AFC North the best division in football. Nick, in terms of just predictions for it, if you had to rank them one through four, what are your expectations? For the AFC North, and you know what are your division?
2: Yeah, so uh, cut cut a little there, but I think the Browns are going to win the division. Uh, You know, I guess the thing is we're still trying to figure out if there's going to be a 17 game season or a 16 game season. It looks like it's going to be 17, but we don't really. Know yet, so uh, these teams are going to beat each other up, uh, at the top here. So I'm going to say the Browns win a division at 12 and 5 in a 17 game season. Uh, I think that the Ravens and Steelers will both have 10 wins, and the Bengals are going to have some trouble again. I don't don't see that the Bengals are doing enough to to help Joe Burrow here. you know and just the team in general Geno Atkins they cut him um to save some some cap space uh but i don't know i don't see where this team's going to be good enough you know to win any, to win them many games here and protect Joe Barrow. it's going to be really tough for the Bengals but yeah i just to recap the Browns of winning the division uh Ravens and Steelers you know right there cuz i have the i have the Steelers in the playoffs and then the Bengals there at the end uh, yes, the NFLPA accepted a 17-game season wreck, but they haven't decided yet if this season with COVID they're going to start it this year or wait till next year with the new uh, you know, CBA when it actually starts. Um, and the Rooks have separations. Weird stat, Lamar is struggling to th- to grow as a thorough, but it does not help that they run the triple tight end offense. Yeah, I mean, they have a tight end heavy offense there. That's why I mentioned Kyle Pitts, but they do need to get that big wide out who could can- go down the field uh, we really don't know about Lamar Jackson's deep ball. We never really see him throw the ball deep. It's more so that you know the, the triple tight end offense is really to protect Lamar Jackson when he's doing the play action.
1: Yeah, and there's definitely questions about this entire division that, you know, like Lamar has his questions in terms of can that offense take the next step in terms of efficiency? And the Browns are going to have that question of can they fix up the defense? The Steelers are going to have the question of, can that offense really recover from what was a terrible rut to end the season? And, you know, the Bengals are going to have that question of, can the entire roster really take that next step together? And for me, I think I'm similar with you. I think the Browns win the division because I think right now in a season like this, with the development that they've had, winning the division matters most to them. I'm not going to say the Ravens don't care about it or anything, but I just think the Browns are going to be probably the most motivated to go out and win. And I think they're talented enough to do it. Second place. I think you look at the Ravens right there and then, you know, I'm Steelers Bengals, but I don't think Steelers or Bengals make playoffs. So I think, you know, you're looking at 13 and four, 12 and five for the Browns and then 12 and five, 11 and six for the Ravens. And I think both those teams are going to be very strong and it really just depends on how we finish out this off season to potentially change that.
2: Well, we will see. We're getting closer here and, you know, the draft is coming up. So now we'll be getting a bunch of these pro days, Michael. What are you looking for specifically from, you know, some people you're, you're trying to figure out where to, where to put them in your mock draft right now when it comes to pro days?
1: Yeah. So one, one huge question mark that I had was about Nick Bolton. And he today tested for the Missouri pro day and really kind of showed a lot of what we saw on tape is that, you know, he, he's a smart player. He's a good run stuffer. He works downhill well, but in terms of athleticism, it's just not there and that's going to limit him. And that's probably going to push him down. I've seen a lot of mocks that will include him in the first round. And I don't think that's realistic. I think third round is probably his peak and I don't want to be like rude about it. I just think, you know, third round to fifth round is, is a much more realistic range for Nick Bolton. I think he's a fine linebacker, but you kind of know what he is. And a lot of teams are probably going to be more enticed by people they think they can develop. So I look for, you know, maybe a guy like Jamin Davis out of Kentucky that will maybe not have the same notoriety at the college football level, but still have, you know, the length, the athleticism and the potential to grow from his frame to become a special linebacker, to go higher than a guy like Bolton, despite maybe Bolton being higher on a lot of media boards right now. And then, you know, you look at some of the wide receivers and corners. I think that's where the big situation comes from. You know, a guy like Paris Ford just ran a 4 9 and he was a guy that was rumored to be a third-round pick at the highest. But now I don't know if he's going to get drafted. That's – really how much some of the stuff matters. If you turn in an athletic testing that is abysmal, you lose faith of a lot of the guys that were riding for you. And if you're in a war room saying, this is our guy, this is someone that we need to look at. And then they turn in this pro day, you're probably saying, okay, you know, maybe I misevaluated. I'm all right passing over him. And then, you know, instead of you pounding the table for Paris Ford in the fourth round, you're now looking at him in the seventh, maybe, but you still have guys that have been pounding for, you know, these FCS players, maybe, or a lower end Division One guy that they're like that they've been pounding the table the entire offseason for about. Hey, you know, this is a guy that we should look at in that sixth, seventh round because I think he's going to be an absolute stud. So when you start to lose momentum on players, that's when you start to really lose the chance of drafting them. And when these athletic testing numbers come out, a lot of scouts aren't going to want to put their name and their entire reputation on a guy that really doesn't fit any of the athletic, you know, standards of the position. So you look at a guy like Paris Ford and that's why he may fall from being a projected second, third round pick to undrafted now. And I hope that, you know, it's just a bad day and he gets drafted and he does well in the league, but these, these pro days matter. And, uh yeah, you know, know if we're well, going to put up good numbers, just pretend to have a hamstring issue or something. I don't know.
2: They uh, matter more because there's no combine. So it's kind of like this is it. This is the last yeah. time the
1: team's going to see you. Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to give a quick shout-out to some great performances today from Chauncey Golston and Amir Smith-Marset at the Iowa Pro Day. Amir Smith-Marset is probably my wide receiver six, wide receiver seven. I'm a lot higher on him compared to the consensus. I think he is someone that reminds me a lot of Emmanuel Sanders, where he can play outside, play inside, ran a 4-4-6, put up some good numbers in terms of agility, has the frame, has the separation and route polish that I think is going to get him some early success despite maybe not being as high in the draft. That's all we have for you today on Destination Draft Day. Thank you to everyone in the comment sections, mostly just Ricklington. Thank you to LandryFootball.com for the platform. And thank you to everyone that tuned in to watch. We will see you guys on Friday. Take care.
0: 18 plus.